hey, do you like good news? I love good news. So here's some good news. There was one life ring that we neglected to celebrate last week, but this is one other person that came to faith in Christ at Vacation Bible School we found out about. So that's awesome. And um, listen, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that's just the beginning. He invites us to follow him all the days of our life. If we start early in life, that's even better. If we start later in life, the, the next step is still the same. Follow me. That's what Jesus said. Follow me. Now, if you're interested in taking a next step in your followership with Jesus here at Good News Church, if you're new or you're new again to Good News Church, one way you could do that is mark on your card that you'd like to have lunch with the pastor. I would love to take you out to lunch. It's on me. I mean, who said there's no such thing as a free lunch? Sign up on the card. Mark that you want to have lunch with the pastor. I'd love to take you to lunch. Learn more about you and help you learn more about the church. Here's another next step. It also involves food. This Friday night, we're having a guest dinner at our house. My wife and I will be hosting people, and we'd love for you to come. If you've been new to Good News or new again, there's a way to sign up in the lobby. You can also mark it on your card. Just write down guest dinner and put it in the boxes in the back. So there's a few next steps for you. Now, I want to invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we're continuing our walk through the book of Colossians. And we learned in the first half of the book the greatness and glory of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is supreme over all things. And in the second half of the book, we've been learning that Jesus Christ invites us to submit to his absolute supremacy over all things, to submit to him, to submit to him in, in our lives as Lord and Savior, to submit to him in our homes as husbands and wives, to submit to him in our homes as children and parents. And now, this week, we're going to see that Jesus invites us to submit to him in the workplace. So let me read verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. And, and let me just remind you, this is God's word. It's inspired and errant and fallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, Grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. The word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures 
forever. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help us to understand and apply this passage to our lives. Help us to understand more who you are. And in knowing you, becoming the kinds of people who invest our lives in the workplace for your glory, for the good of others, and for the making of peace, shalom. Lord, help us understand how the gospel, the good news about you can help us to understand and apply this passage to our lives. This I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so raise your hand if you've ever heard the phrase full-time Christian service. If you've ever heard that phrase, raise your hand. Full-time Christian service. Okay, a few who are in full-time Christian service. Okay, okay. how many of you think that you, you are in full-time Christian service? Raise your hand if you think you are in full-time Christian service. Okay, and I've got my work cut out for me this morning. Now, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. If you're in the room, stand up. If you're watching online, you can stand up too. That'd be fun. And what I want you to do is I want you to raise your right hand, and I want you to repeat after me. I state your name. Okay, you did it. See, I heard some of you jokers. Okay, I state your name. Say it again. Okay. Am in full-time Christian service. Amen. I deputize all of you. Have a seat. Way to go. Awesome. Okay, y'all ready to go home? No. So what I'm praying is more than just raising our hands and repeating a statement. I'm praying that what I share with you this morning will capture your heart. That the good news of Jesus Christ would capture the affections of your heart so that you would know that everywhere you go and everything that you do is different because Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you are still being used by the Lord Jesus Christ in the marketplace, to, in the workplace to do good. God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the wicked, and he uses Christians and non-Christians to accomplish his purposes in the world and in the workplace. Listen, if I get cancer, I'd love to go to a Christian doctor, but I'd much rather go to the best doctor. So if you're not a Christian, I hope that you'll understand more who Jesus Christ is. And who Jesus Christ is, is Lord of all. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, I'm praying that God would capture your heart with the reality of how the gospel can change everything about the 40% of your waking life that you spend engaged in work, whether it's in the home, outside the home. Listen, 40% of our waking life is spent at work. Jesus wants to do something with that if we're his followers. Now, if you're a young person, I want to speak to you this morning. 
Because you are being asked all the time, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to major in? What are you going to study? And I want you to know this morning that what you do is important. But who you do it for is even more important. That what you do is important, but whose you are is even more important. And that if you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's Master. So I pray that if you're a young person, you'd lean in this morning because you're making decisions about your future, and I want you to make them based on whose you are, Jesus Christ's. Now, there's one more group who may be here. There's maybe others, but there's one more that I want to invite to lean in this morning, and that's those of you who find yourself maybe after the workplace in retirement. And I want you to consider this morning that though your work in the workplace may be done, your work doesn't have to be. And that maybe in this season of your life, you actually have more to offer. And if you'd lean in this morning and listen and apply the gospel to your life now as a retired person and come alongside a younger person to help them begin to follow Jesus in the workplace. You don't know the advantage that you could give to someone else with your experience, your wisdom, your grace, your followership of Jesus to help someone else follow Jesus. That's called making disciples. So let's jump into this passage. And let me tell you what I want us to learn this morning. The point that I want us to go away with is this. Jesus enables us to enjoy the ministry of work to work at work. Jesus enables us to enjoy the ministry of work to work at work. Do you know we're going to work in heaven? Do you know we're going to work in eternal life? The new heavens and the new earth, we're going to work. And so much of what is called full-time Christian service, stuff that I do, isn't going to happen on the new heavens and the new earth. A book recently came out called Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. And here's what the author says. Have you considered that in heaven, nothing that we call ministry today will be present? No preaching of the gospel to sinners, no volunteer crews rebuilding after a natural disaster, no drug counseling or soup kitchen, just God's people honoring their creator by cultivating abundance, developing unlimited potential, and ruling the renewed earth for the flourishing of all. That means that on the new earth, I'm going to need some job retraining. And some of you are going to have to help me because your skills that you've been perfecting over the course of your life are going to be far more useful on the new earth than mine. Recently, I was discipling a man in Kansas because of the wonders of technology. I was able to meet with him over Zoom, and he's a farmer in in Kansas. 
And his skills and abilities translate far better to the new heavens and new earth than mine do. I'm going to be looking for him in heaven and saying, hey, can you show me how to do work? Because everything I've perfected won't be necessary anymore. We're not there yet, but we will be. So lean in, perfect your skills, know that work is good. That's the first thing we learn in this passage, that work is good. We have the ministry of work, and work is good. Now, before we get to that, we have to answer the question, slaves and masters? I mean, come on, God, why would you put that in your book? Well, here's why. In the Roman world, in the Roman world, nearly 80 or 90% of people would have been placed in the category of a bond servant or a slave. The most common way that a person would find themselves as a bond servant or a slave was through indebtedness. If you were working and borrowed money as a farmer, for example, if you borrowed money for your seed and you planted your seed but you didn't yield a crop and your, your creditors came and asked for the debt to be paid and you couldn't pay it, then you would become a bond slave, a slave, a servant to the creditor because of your debt. That was the most common way. There were crueler ways that people came into slavery, but slavery was far more common in the ancient world and in the Roman world than certainly in our world, thankfully. Thankfully. Now, the Bible doesn't condemn slavery. That's true. And I've heard many, many people object to Christianity and faith in Jesus because of that. But could I just ask you to consider two things? First, the Bible doesn't command slavery either. It doesn't forbid it, but it doesn't command it. That's number one. Number two, Jesus Christ the Savior of sinners, the Son of God who put on flesh and dwelt among us, calls himself the doulos of all, the slave of all, the servant of all. God, in grace, humbled himself in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, and he enslaved himself to us for our salvation. And... When the gospel spoke to slaves in the first century, in the second century, in the third century in Rome, the message of the gospel spread incredibly fast amongst the population, the 60 million people or so who would be considered bond servants or slaves in the Roman Empire. The gospel spread like wildfire. Because the gospel said to a servant, to a slave, you have a status by grace equal to that of a free person. You have the status of a son of God. You have the status of an inheritance. Paul says that in verse 24 of the passage I read. You are a son. And when slaves and masters worship together, and heard the word of God, the gospel together, eventually, 
Even servants, slaves, would become elders in the local church, and eventually, slaves and masters would look at one another and say, you're the elder of the church. I can't keep calling you my slave. You're free. And so, after three centuries of the gospel being preached throughout the Roman world, and many, many, many millions of people who were enslaved coming to faith in Jesus Christ, slavery was almost completely eradicated in the Roman world. And it went away. And many, many centuries later, when it was time for a new generation of people to stand up and to say slavery is wrong, many, many, many of the people who stood up and said slavery is a moral evil, and it is, were Christians. In fact, the most famous abolitionist in the history of Western stuff was a guy named William Wilberforce, who was responsible in his lifetime for eradicating slavery in the British Empire. And William Wilberforce was a Christian He was a devoted follower of Jesus, and his faith in Jesus instructed his belief that slavery was a moral evil and an injustice. So, we're going to apply this passage as employers and employees, and we're going to apply this passage to the workplace, and I think it's right to do so, and I'm grateful that no one here this morning is a slave, and I'm grateful that no one here this morning is a master, but we all work. We're all employees. We're all employers. So let's apply the passage that way, and let's dig into the ministry of work, the ministry to work, and the ministry at work. So let's understand what those are. First, the ministry of work. The ministry of work is this. Work is good. Did you know the first person described in the Bible as a worker? You know who it is? It's God. In Genesis 2-2, the Bible tells us the first time that anyone is described as working, it's God. And if God works, we know that work must be good. The ministry of work is built on the idea that work is good. In fact, God created us to work as his image bearers. Listen to Genesis 1, verses 26, starting in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
So God looked at an empty world and he created man, male and female, in his own image. And he said, be fruitful and fill this empty earth with people who are image bearers of us. Male and female joined together in marriage to multiply and fill the earth. This world, this world needs to be ruled so you Male and female, Adam and Eve, you rule over the earth, the birds of the sea, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the cattle on the dry land. All that I've made is for you. Subdue it. Rule over it. And cause this place that I've made to become a place of flourishing. As I've blessed you, I want you to be a blessing. That's how God created us, male and female, and placed us on his earth to accomplish his purposes as his followers. Now, you say, that doesn't sound like anything like what happens to me every day when I go to work. Me neither. Work is hard. What happened? Well, the fall happened. And sin moved into the creation, and man rebelled against his creator, and because of that rebellion, work is hard. There's something now called toil. By the sweat of our brow, we cause the land to bear crops. Work is hard, but it's good. As his image bearers, we're still made, though scarred by sin, Living in a world scarred by sin, we're still made to work. And when Jesus Christ moves in, when Jesus Christ moves in, he deals with our hearts so that the effects of sin can be dealt with through his death and the Holy Spirit moves in so that when we go to work, we go to work now with Jesus with Jesus in us, with Jesus alongside us. We go to work by the power of the Holy Spirit with and for Jesus Christ. And Jesus addresses the idols that ruin work. The idols that ruin work cause us to either overwork or underwork. When we overwork or underwork, we say God, that work is something more than good or that something work is something less than good. You with me? The idols that cause overwork, that make us say that work is something more than good, that work is something I have to do, those are the idols of success, power, control. And when my heart is dominated by those idols, I will have a tendency to overwork because I'm going to live for my work, not for Jesus Christ who causes me and graces me and gifts me to work. And if my heart is dominated and ruled by the idols of pleasure or the idols of rest or the idols of comfort, then I'm going to underwork. I'm going to underwork and I'm going to take something that God says is good and I'm going to change it into something that I call less than good. 
So if you've ever said, everybody's working for the weekend, okay, and it was more than just a song that was on the radio when you were learning to drive at 16 like I was, if you've ever said that, everybody's working for the weekend, maybe your heart is dominated by an idol that's causing you to underwork. And if the idea of not working is so devastating to you that you couldn't imagine not being known for your success, for your accomplishment, for your praise, for your portfolio, then maybe your heart is dominated by the idol of success or power or control and you're overworking. And Jesus says to both the overworker and the underworker, follow me. Follow me. Work is good. Work is good. So don't make it an overgood and don't make it an undergood. Let it be for me, for my glory, for the good of creation. Join me, Jesus says, in making all things new. Work now and be ready to work on the new earth. That's number one. Now the ministry to work. The ministry to work. What's the ministry to work? The ministry to work is that we're called to do not just that work is good, work does good. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So work is good. That's the ministry of work. Work does good. That's the ministry to work. Work does good. It promotes justice and equality. Now, for the last 200 years or so, maybe a little longer, there's been an idea that man can create a just and an equal society through his own reason alone, apart from God. Apart from God's gracious revelation through Jesus Christ. And there have been many, many, many systems developed to try and establish justice and equality Apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the revelation of the gospel, and every single one of them has failed, is failing, and will fail. Because there is no system based upon human reason that can ever establish justice and equality apart from Jesus Christ. Man reasoning on his own, apart from the revelation of Scripture, will not arrive at justice. He will not arrive at equality. Because the only thing that can ever lead us into a just and equal society isn't reason, but grace. It's grace in the heart that produces justice and equality. It's grace that moves into the life through the gospel. What will create an environment where masters will want to treat others, their employees, with justice and equality? 
Only grace, only the gospel can do that. Law might compel us to have a just workplace, but only the gospel can change our hearts so that we become people who want to do justly, who want to walk humbly with our God. Only the gospel can do that. Because the gospel moves in and the gospel says, cheer up, you are way worse than you think you are. The gospel tells us the bad news. And the bad news is that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God is just and must punish sin. But the gospel also tells us good news. And the good news of the gospel is that cheer up. You're far more loved than you could ever imagine. And when the justice and love of God meet in the person of Jesus Christ and on the cross, God takes all the sins of his rebellious people and he puts them on Jesus and punishes Jesus in our place, justice and equality are able to be met in Jesus because only in Jesus can we be loved by a just God and be justed by a loving God. Only in the cross, because apart from the cross, the justice of God would wipe us out. But through the cross, God makes it possible for sinners to be accepted by God, to become righteous, right with Him, and to be loved. Without ignoring our sin, God can accept us and when that moves into our hearts, we're able with God to establish justice and equity on the earth. Only the gospel can do that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it well. It's by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not on the basis of works, lest anyone should boast. The gospel says that our part is to believe. Have you? You can put your trust in Jesus that God punished him in your place. God will forgive your sin. He'll move into your life by the Holy Spirit and enable you to pursue justice and equality. How? Well, Ephesians 2.10 tells us how. For it is God who is at work in you. No, I'm sorry. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift to God, not on the basis of works, lest anyone should boast, Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Work does good. And when the gospel moves into our heart, Jesus then goes with us into the marketplace to do good, to promote justice, to promote equality by grace, not through reason. That's the ministry at, uh, to work. One more, that's the ministry at work. The ministry at work. The ministry of at work is this, work brings good news. The ministry of work, work is, work is good. The ministry to work, work does good. The ministry at work, work brings good news. When we can, in the workplace, we're invited to break the sound barrier and tell others about Jesus Christ. God invites us in the workplace 
to rub shoulders with dozens and dozens of people who may not know Jesus Christ. And when we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, take the initiative to share the gospel with others, they can respond in faith and be saved. That's the ministry at work. But we need to be saved from ourselves first because there's two cliffs. There's one cliff that many, many of us fall off of, and that's the cliff of the obnoxious Christian who's a terrible employee but tells everybody about Jesus. They ruin every team they're on, but they love to talk about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the obnoxious Christian. That's not what the gospel produces. The other cliff is the embarrassed believer. And the embarrassed believer may work hard, may do great work. But because they're an embarrassed believer, they never break the sound barrier and tell others of the person who's moved into their life to make it possible for them to work hard and to produce uh, good service the way they do. Many years ago, Billy Graham had a crusade, and a man went to the Billy Graham crusade. He heard the gospel, and he was saved. He was converted. That man went to church the next Sunday after the crusade, and he saw a man that he worked with for many, many years, and he, and he was at church. And he said, you're a Christian. And the guy said, yes, I'm a Christian. He said, why didn't you tell me? All this time, I, all this time, I, I just thought you were a good person. And, and now to know that you're a Christian, why didn't you tell me? Oh, we need to take the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit to tell others the gospel. And as the Lord gives us opportunity, plant your flag. Tell others about Jesus, not as an obnoxious Christian, not as an embarrassed believer, but as a courageous Christian. How do we get there? We get there by believing what Jesus said is true. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that we would be persecuted for him, that it's hard to break the sound barrier, but it's a win-win. Because if we tell other people about Jesus and they believe, it's a win. And if we tell people about Jesus and they don't believe and we're persecuted for that, Jesus says that's a win. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Now, the ministry of work, work is good. The ministry to work, work does good. The ministry at work, work brings good news. So what do we do this week? Well, let's go to work. Let's let tomorrow be this, the next great day in our week. Let's go to work and enjoy following Jesus in the workplace. Jesus said in Matthew 4.19 to a group of fishermen... Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what would he say to you, salesmen? What would he say to you, 
PA, what would he say to you? Nurse, what would he say to you? Accountant, follow me. Follow me and let me use you in the ministry of work, to work, at work. But your job is to follow me. Let me go to work with you. You enjoy being a follower of Jesus in the workplace. You enjoy following Jesus and let him (coughs) teach you the ministry of work. The ministry of work. That you'd avoid the cliffs of overworking or underworking, but that you would know that everything you do and everything that you are is now animated and, and directed by your followership of Jesus. And as that happens, then Psalm 8 will begin to happen in your life. Psalm 8. When I, sorry, Psalm 8, verse 6. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the master. I'm following you into the workplace. I want to serve you. I want to do the ministry of work. I want to do my work well for your glory. Help me. Help me to become the person you want me to be and make me successful in the work of my hands. That's the ministry of work. Follow Jesus. He'll teach you how. The ministry to work. When we follow Jesus... Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Follow Jesus. Trust in him. Not in yourself. Trust in him. Have you? If you haven't, won't you? Trust in the Lord and do good. And then finally, the ministry at work. Now, did y'all have any fireworks in your, house, in your neighborhoods this week? I mean, it was unbelievable. Inflation has wrecked everything except fireworks. My, I have a little dog. She's 10 pounds. She's a Maltese. She's super cute. I know I, I don't look like the kind of guy that would have a little 10-pound dog, but she's amazing. She's super fun, but she hates fireworks. And so the fireworks are going and My little poor little dog is just shaking. You know what happens when we break the sound barrier and tell others about Jesus? Booms go off. And heaven rejoices. And Satan becomes a 10-pound Maltese shaking. Let's make Satan shake. Break the sound barrier. Let's let heaven rejoice, break the sound barrier, and tell others about Jesus. That's the ministry at work. We're out of time. (laughs) How many of y'all have ever heard of a woman named Emily Wilson? No one. Okay, how about her boss? Her boss is John Kenneth uh, Galbraith. Maybe you've heard of him. No, no one. Okay, his boss. His boss was Lyndon Johnson. Anyone heard of him? President? Okay, good. Now, Lyndon Johnson called Kenneth, uh, John, John Kenneth Galbraith one day 
and he was asleep. He called him. He said, get me Ken Galbraith. This is Lyndon Johnson. He's probably pulling on his dog's ear at the same time. They said, he's sleeping, Mr. President. This is Emily Gloria Wilson speaking. He's sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. Well, no, Mr. President. I work for him, not you. When I called the president back, he could scarcely control his pleasure. Tell that woman I want her here in the White House. Are you a Christian? Who do you work for? You work for the Lord Jesus Christ. So do the work, the ministry of work, to work, at work. Enjoy it. Follow Jesus in the workplace. Who works for you? If you're an employer, who works for you? Let them know by the way they, that you lead them in the workplace that you work for your master, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we need your help. We ask that you would work in our hearts and enable us to enjoy the ministry of work, to work, at work. Lord, we're your people, your servants. You became our servant to seek and to save us. You went to the cross so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. You rose from the dead to prove that it was true. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, won't you? Won't you say to him now, Jesus, I admit to you that, that I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose to the, from the dead for me. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. And help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, all of us, who know and follow you. We are now in full-time Christian service, enjoying the ministry of work, to work, at work. Oh, make us your followers, I pray in your name. Amen.